0: You are listening to the evolution exchange podcast australia a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in australia i'm matt i help connect businesses with tech talent and today i'm your host hello and welcome back to the evolution exchange a podcast where we discuss all things tech leadership and product within the australian tech community The topic of today's podcast is how to excel in motivating engineers, and a first myself uh, on our podcast series with all today's panelists currently working at Flight Centre. To get things started, I think it'd be great to have everyone introduce themselves. So, Tim, I'll get you to go first.
1: Thanks, Matt. Um, So, my name is Tim Dougal. I joined Flight Centre Travel Group in January as their Chief Technology Officer for the global leisure business responsible for the technology that supports, um, uh, some of our big brands, including flight center, travel associates, and our independent business, um, passionate about diversity in tech, um, and soccer. Awesome. Thanks, that uh,
0: Tim, uh, Franco, I'll get you to jump in next.
2: Thanks, Matt. Uh, Good day, everybody. Franco uh, Benja, uh, engineering manager for the digital commerce flights team within the Flight Centre. Um, been with the company about ten months now. Uh, loving every minute of it. Um, passionate about. Uh, yeah, love tech, uh, sport rugby, can't go wrong with that. And to be specific, rugby union. Um, So uh, go the Springboks. And uh, um, yeah, looking forward to today. Awesome.
0: Thanks, Franco. Uh, Aaron.
2: Oh, yeah. So um, Aaron
3: Mori, I'm uh, head of engineering for digital commerce at Flight Center. I've been here for just over two years um, in IT for, I think, 20 years now. Um, what am I passionate about? Um, technology, solving problems at, at scale, um, and especially here at Flights and around travel, passionate about engineering um, and and uh, people um, and, and seeing them thrive. So, and personally, uh, everything is around family, two little kids, uh, two and a half and one just turning four. So that's pretty much all my spare time outside of work. <laughs>
0: Great, thanks that. Aaron and Grant.
4: Yeah, hi, thanks, Matt. Um, My name's Grant. Um, Corporate uh, Chief Technology Officer of Corporate Australia. Uh, Been at the organisation for 10 years now in a variety of roles, Um, always in technology, always in corporate, Um, engineer by trade. Um, For me, with with the corporate world, passion is very much around curiosity, Um, growing engineers, growing teams that, that have a culture of curiosity. I think it's really, really important. Uh, in my personal time, I'm um, similar to Tim. Soccer is a passion. Soccer coach is something that I'm I'm doing at the moment, and I'm actually finding a lot of parallels between leading engineers and coaching kids. So, um, yeah, an interesting journey there.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Zach Grant. Appreciate all the introductions. So, look, we'll get straight into the first question, which is brought forward by Tim, being what are tenets of a great engineering culture? So, Franco, I'll get you to to start this one off.
2: Cool. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah. So for me, it it really comes down um, that specifically around a lot of the the beliefs and values and practices that's that's happening within an engineering team. Um, just the the few that's immediately coming to front of mind for me is um, continuous learning. So making time um, for the engineers and even our leaders to focus on. Um, what is important to them and what they want to build out their knowledge on. Um, second would be experimentation. So trying out those new things, that new learnings. Uh, and then a little bit more onto the, the people side of things, which would be uh, the diversity inclusion. Everybody is bringing something different to the team. Um, so having those different opinions and different views uh, helps you to solve a lot of those problems differently. Um, and then the last one, which I think is an after COVID, has been a massive focus point is uh, work-life balance. So um, yeah, that's that's definitely the four that I can immediately bring uh, to mind. And that's I, I think work-life balance is definitely a big thing um, post COVID. Um, that's that's driver driving a lot of uh, where people want to work and how they want to work.
0: Thanks, Franka. And Aaron, I'll get your thoughts next.
3: Yeah, uh, definitely uh, second that around continuous learning and growth. That's um, essential. And to what Grant said around always being curious, that uh, kind of uh, fosters that learning and growth. But um, yeah, probably other things that have come to mind for me is uh, craftsmanship. So I think, you know, us as engineers and, you know, problem solving and and building, um, software and delivering software, being passionate about what you do is essential. Um, being passionate about, you know, quality, the technology. Um, and I think that really is a, is a core part of an engineering culture and focus on value as well. Like I think that's really important, you know, like being lean and agile, um, but, uh, you know, caring about what, we deliver to customers um, and the outcomes that we drive. So um yeah, I'd say there were probably a couple of other ones that I would have contributed there. And um yeah, craftsmanship for me is is a is a massive part of um of uh, engineering culture. Awesome.
0: Thanks Aaron and uh, great.
4: Yeah, look, I think Aaron kind of left on, on a really good point. Um, I think in post-COVID and especially in, in the, large, the large engineering team that I have, I've really seen a, um, a decline in the passion of, of software engineering. It's all about pace, speed, how quickly can we get something out, and I think the there's, there's a lack of recognition to the craft and the passion that it engineers. I remember back into my younger years, um, there was great excitement about doing something great that was different. It, it was nearly like a work of art that you'd put up on a wall. Um, at least in in, a, in my stronger engineers that that, that have um, uh, that I go to, they still have that. They still have that old school mindset of I write this piece of code and it's in, it's well engineered. It, it's a you know you sit back and take a look at it and you know, it's fantastic. I think an element of that's been lost and we need to bring it back and we need to start instilling that in, in, our, in our younger staff. I think that probably leads to my second point is around coaching. Um, again, employ a lot of juniors, creating that mindset of coaching from the get-go, creating that, that that safe space where engineers can learn and they can develop their craft and their passion and they can they can make those mistakes that actually lead to them um, developing a stronger mentality, a stronger mindset for, for the discipline that they're working in, I think is really, really important. I think those two points for me are, are critical to um, to kind of establishing uh, sort of that high performing team, motivated software engineers. Um, there's, more, there's lots of others, but they're probably the
0: two key ones that, that stand out for me. Awesome, thanks, that Grant and, and Tim. I'll get to the round us off.
1: Yeah, when I was um, thinking of this uh, question, um, what was coming to mind is the um, um, famous Peter Drucker phrase: "Culture eats strategy for breakfast." And so when I when I think about culture, I think about um, purpose and how people find purpose in the work um, that they're doing. Um, and for me, that's always um, resonated. When When I've found purpose or um, understood the impact that my work's making to the organization and that I've you know and I understand the vision and the um, strategies, then I've been probably most motivated. Um, So thinking that through, I think there's some really good points that have been raised around craftsmanship and work-life balance and coaching. Those are all um, important components. I think for me, it's also having line of sight um, of the work that you're doing and how that's supporting the vision and the purpose of the organisation or the strategies of the organisation. And then to support that, um, I think teams need um, um, empowerment so that they can achieve those outcomes um we largely design for uh you know using agile principles autonomous and accountable teams and and a big component of that is obviously the empowerment that that creates and then i think grant touched on this um in the um piece around coaching I, i think making sure that there's strong support when um people fall short of the goals that they're aiming to achieve so you know having a culture where failures um not frowned upon but um, people are supported through uh areas where they've you know fallen short of their goals awesome thanks tim is there anything
0: else that anyone wants to add add to that yeah i'll just add one thing and it's just reacting to what tim just said it reminded me of a, a,
4: a situation that came up i had one of um actually uh, QA Lee, actually qale actually we we're in a one-on-one and, and we we're chatting about our team. She goes, She's new and she said to me, Oh, I love working here and I love this team. And I actually said, Why? And she goes, Because it's okay to fail. He said, You support me, the team supports me when I make a mistake. Now that wasn't an engineering leader, that was, was a QA lead, but part of our broader structure. And, and the key thing for her was it's okay to fail. And we support each other as a team when that happens. I think that's just so important.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Grant. And that, look, some great points there. Um, I think that wraps up that first. And we'll move on, on to the second question now, uh, which is from Franco, being, what are some common mistakes managers make when attempting to motivate their team of engineers? And how can these mistakes be avoided? So I'll start with you, Aaron, and get you to to kick us off with this one and get your thoughts.
3: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, I've got I had a, a a lot of thinking around this one. And um yeah, so I'd say probably uh, a key one for me is um lack of opportunities. Um I think if not recognizing um you know what motivates engineers and then the opportunities that you can bring to your team. Um that that's a key thing. So you know what if you stagnate around Technologies, learning, and development, um, and you know, driving continuous improvement—that for me is is a is a huge kind of mistake that, or something that can have a big impact on teams. Um, in, in terms of strategies of trying to address that, obviously, I think having a, a culture and a space where you can learn and grow—you um, know, having on the job uh training, structured learning, etc. Uh focus on new technologies um and being able to see what's fit for purpose to bring in to the team into the organization. Um you know look at opportunities of you know sending people on conferences and, and things like that would get them out of their normal daily grind. Um and you know that's that's personally I found um getting people to conferences is such a uh great thing to do because they're networking with other people they're seeing the broader picture and um and gets them to be curious and and it's great opportunities there um around motivation around um and engineers like everyone's different so uh treating everyone as the same again to me is a, a common mistake like some people really care about quality some people care about money um and you know, some people care about the team, the recognition and culture, and uh, the purpose and outcomes that they drive. Um, so knowing what motivates people to then be able to um, act on that early when maybe there's uh, a lack of motivation there. Um, so you can then look at the right signals and, and what that means um, within the teams. Um, so I'd say um, maybe another one is uh, a common mistake is um, maybe in 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 product teams where um, there's a lot of focus in in um, you know the the health of the application and um, growing unintentional technical debt and legacy technology. These are things that can lead to um, you know disengagement and a lack of motivation when there's a lack of focus into the quality of um, of the applications that you build. Um, so just being able to you know, address that early, um, look at metrics and measurements of how you can start to uh, get visibility and transparency to teams so they can focus on, um, yeah, health of the applications and, and what they build. Um, I could go on, but I'll uh, <laughs> <maybe> <laughs> hand it off.
0: No, thanks for that, Aaron. Uh, Grant, I'll get your thoughts next.
4: Yeah, like I thought this was a really good question and, and spent a bit of time reflecting on my own journey um, through, the, through the years and I think. Probably one of the standouts for me is is engineering managers in particular um, still being too technical, still being too hands-on, still um, taking control at the lowest level way too much. Um, I know I've made those mistakes and falling into those traps in the past, and I think that actually it's a demotivator. Teams are not empowered to then make their own decisions, make you know, fail, find solutions. They kind of go, well... You know, the leader will do it. I'll, I'll go ask him or her and, and get them to actually do that work. So I think think that's a um, it's a it's a really common mistake. And I feel w- why do we end up there? A bit of that's trust. Um, maybe we don't have a team of, of enough senior engineers. Maybe we haven't spent enough time growing our engineers. And I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a bit of a um, a vortex where that problem gets worse and worse the, the more you do it. Um. So I think I think that's um. Like I think it's a, it's a real big issue um, that I see. I see it across my leaders. Um, I think the second is actually ensuring that we've got, um, and I think Aaron just touched on it there, it's understanding people and how they how they best learn, how they best operate. Um, we saw through COVID, and I think it was probably the best time for engineers, suddenly they were empowered to do their best work whenever they, in whatever environment, They needed to do their best work, and we're seeing that culture start to shift again where people are being forced back into offices and whatnot, and I wonder how much that's impacting uh, motivation. I know on my own team there's there's a bit of a struggle between getting people in and seeing the demotivating impact of that, but then also letting them work from wherever uh, in whatever hours and whatever time zone suits them. So I think there's a there's a balance to be struck there around business need and, and engagement, but as well as, as supporting that creative mindset and that creative environment. Um so they're probably
1: two key call-outs for me. Thanks that, Grant. Uh, Tim. Yeah, I, I definitely resonate with with those answers, especially the managers um, becoming, you know, being too hands-on. It's definitely a trap that I've fallen into as well. Um, And I I think, as Grant's raised, um, that balance of um, being in person and working remotely is a really hard one for managers to to get right Um, because we all know that there's elements of, you know, human interaction, face-to-face interaction that um, um, are really important. Um, um, But we also know that, you know, creating an environment which supports people to do their best work from, you know, Based on their own individual circumstances, is is important too. Um, probably the the one that hasn't been raised that I've seen uh, come up um, quite often is when managers don't pay attention to how the technology that they're supporting uh, is either um, creating an impediment for the business or um, enabling the business. So when there's a disconnect between the tech that they're ultimately um, uh, supporting and the business um that that creates a lot of um dissent or or can create quite a lot of conflict um among stakeholders which can often lead to the opposite of the things that we've been calling out you know things like autonomy um um, start to diminish when the business starts to find that technology is no longer an enabler but instead causing um is, is becoming a constraint so I think the, um, the simple way to avoid that is, is by making sure as a technology leader that you're talking to your stakeholders and understanding their, their strategies and how your technology is enabling those strategies. I think that's really key. Um, technology is often um, the vehicle that helps to empower organisations. And so you really need to have that strategic lens on the work that your teams are doing.
0: Great,
1: thanks,
2: that, Tim and Franco. Cool. Yeah, uh, guys covered up a, a few good points there. Um, f- I, a lot of the things I was thinking about in the space do touch on what has already been spoken about. Um, the the one is the hands on, yeah. So the micromanagement side of things. Um, engineers need a bit of autonomy. Um, they need to you know, to do their best work. So um, stepping back. Um, does help in that um, that micromanagement side of things that you, you just want to back off a bit, give those guys space to to operate and do the best they can do. Um, we've got a massive amount of people that's got expertise in specific areas. So, give them the opportunity to step out of that and um, use it and show what, what they're worth. Um, I think the... The other few ones is, uh, I think Aaron touched on this as well, is the um, ignoring some of the individual strengths and preferences that people do have within your team. Um, engineers, everybody is unique. Uh, everybody has got a different uh, approach to life, a different way of uh, tackling a problem. So um, that definitely that ignoring... Um some of that will will cause some of the engineers to step back and and then bring the best to the table so but putting them in those opportunities do um, get that engagement even more and feel like they can tackle the world with whatever problem might, might might be coming up and probably then touching on that as well is then uh focusing around um rewards so. Um people are giving their best. Um how do we reward them? Um financial reward is one thing, but there, there's more than just financial reward out there. Um we've we've touched on some of it where um the work-life balance, working from home, um having a day off uh for the massive amount of the good support that's been done over a certain amount of period there's more than just that financial side of things uh when you're calling out the the key performances that uh, people in your team might have brought to the table um and i think lastly I think we all think that this is good but you probably best to find this out from the individual team members is um, providing those clear goals and expectations uh so if we are uh, clear on that. Uh, the engineers knows what is expected of them. Um, a lot of them likes to be know what 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 they need to operate in, and then use that to to solve the problems. Uh, so definitely um, having those those goals and expectations there um, would help them in achieving what's what's needed. Awesome.
4: Thanks there's a record. there's a great book called Managing the Unmanageable. Uh, which actually speaks to engineering managers and it actually speaks to the journey that engineers take into management. And often you're in a team, a small team, you've got a, a four or 5 good engineers and one stands out and becomes a go-to engineer. That engineer falls into the, oh, I'm now the engineering leader, now I'm the engineering manager. And and I think when we look at that and we think about all the things we've just spoken about, both in the first question and this one, there's a heap of skills that we just expect engineering managers to have and we don't necessarily set them up for that. We just expect them that, oh, you're in a management role now, engineering leader in a role now, you should just have these things. Coaching, creating positive mindsets, positive reinforcement of the right behaviours, you know, not being trying to create open space where you're not technical, but we don't ever give our engineering managers support to get those skills. We just kind of assume they have it from the get-go. Um, I think that is a, a big mistake CTOs and others make when we when we put engineering managers in. So I highly recommend managing our management great book. Um, good opportunity to um,
0: hone in some skills. Thanks, so, Grant. Well, I think we covered, covered that very well. There are a variety of different uh, answers there, and uh, I think we'll wrap that one up and move on to, Aaron, your question next, which is, how does motivation impact job satisfaction and retention? So I'll go back to you, Grant, uh, and get your thoughts first on yeah, that, sure. this one.
4: Uh, no, another great question, um, and probably a really hard one to answer, actually. Um, I think job satisfaction is not just tied to salary, it's tied to, in fact, I actually think that's probably the weakest link in it. It very much is the culture, it's the work-life balance. It's kind of a summary of everything that we've kind of discussed at this point. If we can nail most of the points that we've shared... An engineer is more likely to stay, even when there is lucrative offers floating around. I mean, again, I' can only speak to the last few years and experience, and we've got engineers in there that have that the market's been flooded with great offers for engineers and great opportunity for people to jump for money more than anything. Um, but we have engineers that haven't left for money, and that's because of culture. It's because of the people around them, the environment that we create, um the opportunities that we can provide. Um, I actually think we're too hard on ourselves sometimes in this space as well. I actually think that we're probably doing better than, than we think in, in, in most areas because, because you know, risk stock retention is there. I've seen examples of engineers, senior engineers that are left for money and we've caught up sort of a year or two post and they've changed from that role to another role to another role and it's kind of, it hasn't compared to the role they held um, originally here purely because culture didn't resonate. It was a shift for the wrong reasons. Um, So I think everything we've discussed at this point really sums up this one for me. Um, Get the culture right. Don't fall into the common pitfalls and traps in the management space. And and you can set that framework up for engineers to thrive.
0: Thanks, Zach, And Tim,
1: next. Yeah, I I, I definitely um, I agree with the um, the importance of culture as well. I think that's um, that's key. The other the other piece for me is is when I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about my own experience, and I've always gravitated to organisations and industries that um, inspire me. Um, and um, you know that inspiration comes from having you know a strong vision and purpose. And one of the things when I um, uh, was interviewing for this role at Flight Centre, was seeing the purpose statement um, up on in the foyer, uh, which for Flight Centre it's to open the world to those who want to, or open the world for those who want to see, and that was quite an exciting um, and inspiring purpose statement. So that that that's something I think that is really important is is that um, the values that you have, um, and um, and the type of organisational. Um, or the goals of the organization sort of align. Um, I think uh, motivation also comes from the ability to contribute to the things that impact your day to day. So again, when back when I was an engineer, I, I recall um, you know certain teams or certain organizations that I worked at where um, work was really directed into the team and it was very hard to um, maintain like a sense of motivation when I didn't have much control over the day-to-day. Um, so I think it, it really does, as Grant called out, lean into some of those other components that we've called out before around empowerment um, and um, culture. But it's being able to, as an engineer in a team, being able to influence and um, provide solutions to problems that are in alignment with the the goals of the organisation. Thanks, uh, Tim. Uh, Franco, I'll pass to you next.
2: Yeah, um, culture is a big one, um, like like Brian already said as well, is that, um, yeah, the market has been flooded and uh, with some great offers out there uh, from, from a remuneration compensation point of view, but people seem to be um, preferring the culture and that work-life balance um, that their current um, company uh, would provide them. Um, the, there's also the other side of um, the career growth. Uh, I think that's one of the big things that, um, doing a, a few interviews lately, um, that's, that people ask uh, in an interview. Um, I, I think there's none of the interviews I've done that the person haven't asked. Um, so, what is the growth? What is the career pathway uh, for for myself in in this in this role and, and as well as the company? um so yeah definitely that i think we also forget how much of an impact we have as leaders on on our people so some people do leave because of the leaders they've got so um having those great leaders um do help the company to have those engaged employees as well um they're very clear on their goals um expectations um and they're very open and transparent as well so having the openness and transparency and helping out um people to get better um i bet we're not all um the best developers uh or or used to be the best developers there's a lot of people that's coming through now and helping to to get them through and being better and improving and getting out to market quicker with a lot of these things Uh, yeah you can see the the, the, the leaps that people has come from the olden days to the new days now. Thanks, Frank. And Aaron? Yeah, some um, great
3: uh, points discussed there. Uh, I might just come at this from a different angle as well is, um, uh, is looking at the signals of, um, you know, a, a lack of motivation, uh, job satisfaction, which will lead to, uh, obviously, um, people leaving. Um, So some of the signals I think is key. And to me, um, knowing what those signals are and acting early is essential um, as leaders. So, you know, from what I've seen, um, some of the signals could be, you know, lack of contribution in meetings, um, you know, some changes in behaviour and attitude, um, attendance, um, contribution, within meetings, uh decrease in productivity, some of these things. And you know, like everyone goes through life changes and things. And as leaders, we need to recognize that. But also acting early is essential. So we don't want to have a environment where this can have a broader impact. So this sort of behavior can influence a lot of other people. Um and if it's not acted on early it's then can be seen as acceptable. And you know that that is essential is to act early. And sometimes every now and then, you know, there is a bad egg, like everyone, you know, has intent to do great things at work. And, but every now and then, you know, I think we've all worked uh, in businesses or in teams where, you know, someone has caused a bit of disruption in the team and, and, um, you know, um, again, that's essential to act early because those, those negative behaviors and things can really, um influence uh very negatively to teams in an organization. So um signals around this. Um and I was just gonna like cover off a few things around like you know ways to maybe tackle um that as well and, and some things. So um what's worked for us um in, in some of our teams is like having team charters. Uh, I think that gets everyone in the same sort of social um agreement and you know feeling part of a team and the bigger picture of what their team and their purpose is and um you know what works with the team um so it's always a good thing to then point some things back in retros and stuff of like ah well we're not quite doing what we've agreed to in in a team charter one-on-ones early feedback coaching um uh in, in terms of opportunities as well which are you know it's key we've kind of covered that off a bit previously but um you know, at Flight Center, we do, we, we've we got a, a notion of brightness of future. And so even if you're, um, you know, a, an operations analyst or something, uh, we've had people that have then gone into a product owner role. And that's amazing. And like a lot of people in the business have gone from consultant and, you know, worked their way up into leadership positions and, and done complete change of career and direction. And I think, you know, uh, having a business that supports that from the top down is amazing and it sort of um you know I think it gives that motivation and can can help in the job satisfaction when you maybe you you your passion's gone in in being a developer and you like working with people and process and improving things. Maybe you should go to a scrum master or something. So I think having that is really um really great here. And probably the other things just quickly is like in in, in our team where you measure like um, people's satisfaction coming into the team so with the onboarding process and when people um, leave the team and for us that's critical points to then know if we're you know if it's down to motivation job satisfaction what we're doing wrong so we can improve because we don't always get it right but knowing when we get it wrong so we can address it is is uh, really important as leaders as well um so yeah i think uh, there, there were a couple of bits that i wanted to kind of bring to this one
0: Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Anything anyone else wants to, to cover on this question? Nice. Well, I think, uh, again, well covered. Um, and I think we'll move on to, to our last question, uh, which I know has been talked about a little bit throughout here from Grant. Uh, creating motivated engineers starts with uh, creating a culture of curiosity. Uh, and the question is, what strategies can be used to drive curiosity? So, Tim, I'll, uh, I'll start with you and get your thoughts first on this one.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, I think curiosity, uh, is one of those things that's actually innate, um, in engineering. When you become a software engineer, you really, um, you're sort of forced to have to, um, have a level of curiosity and dig deeper to understand how things are working, um, to create a culture of curiosity though, I think within an organization, I think it's really about, um, creating a culture where people find uh, or, ha- or feel comfortable speaking up and asking questions. So um, allowing and supporting people when they want to understand more about something or they don't necessarily, um, can't necessarily connect the dots um, for a particular decision or perhaps um, don't know why a process is in place and really embracing that and allowing people to ask those questions and then uh, you know, helping them or encouraging them to seek answers to those questions. And as a, as a, as a leader within um, the organisation, I think that really has to start at home. So you need to create an environment where your people can ask questions of you and the decisions that you're making so that um, you're really embedding that culture of curiosity and that, um, uh, you know, creating that culture where people can challenge or, um, you know, try to understand um, why certain things are in place or why certain decisions have been made. And you're doing that from the top down and really encouraging it from the bottom up as well. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Uh, Franco.
2: Yeah, very good points, Um For me, uh, I would definitely say the, the big one is um, Promoting collaboration, so uh, and and that networking, so encouraging those collaboration uh, among the engineers. Um, it, it, it helps to stimulate a lot of that curiosity, curiosity uh, and innovation. Um, somebody might just mention something and. Somebody might pick up and want to know more and 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 build out uh, their knowledge um, in a specific area, but more um, in finding out and deep diving. Um, It it brings a new perspective uh, and insights to a lot of problems um, in having those conversations as well, and it just it's a spark for probably thinking outside of the box um, in a lot of situations. Um, the other one for me is in, empowerment uh, for engineers. So giving engineers the autonomy to pursue um, their interests and passions. So um, allow them to, to take ownership um, on their projects and exploring those new ideas um, within the team. Um, that's probably the two that stands out uh, for me. Um and Tim has covered off a few of the ones uh that I've um also thought about um so yeah,
0: thanks Africa and Aaron, I'll go to you next
2: yeah, um
3: so just resonating around uh, sort of the leadership and um I suppose leading by example and being curious yourself is essential um like. In any sessions, obviously I'd, you know, get teams to open up and stuff first. But um, you know, I'll always then ask some questions and, you know, just be curious. And I think just leading by example there fosters that curiosity and that culture, which is really important. Um I think also around leadership is, yeah, it's kind of controversial, but celebrating failure in that fail-safe environment. But it's around learning around failures. Um, so I think again, knowing that people um can fail and it's not going to be sort of this bad thing that you know um is put onto people that then again fosters that sort of kind of environment where you're safe to fail and there, therefore you can be curious uh recognizing and rewarding curiosity is is essential as well like um there's been a lot in in our teams of like exploring new technologies solutions and you know some good methods there for example it's you know like uh, proof of concepts getting teams to to do that and have them an opportunities to do proof of concepts that's one of the a great way to sort of get people to be curious and, and go outside of their normal role um code reviews and things like that are great uh, ways to be curious within teams um, it's an opportunity to learn and share uh not just checking on syntax and quality and it's meeting the user story etc um a couple of other things that we do here, which is which is great, and again, it's kind of fostering that curiosity. Is we ran a um, a hackathon in December called Runway, uh, just to give our travel terminology onto it, and that was amazing. Like the feedback from that, it's like the first time we've done that. um You know, over the last couple of years during COVID, and. and just to create that environment where people can be curious looking at technologies, problem solving, new, new problems to solve and opportunities. It's again, but those kind of things really make a big difference and, um, you know, just on the job training and being curious, there is, you know, community of practices, brown bag sessions. Uh, we run some engineering days. Um, so we work with our great vendors, um, That we work really closely with. So, for example, uh, New Relic, Sneak. um, We're going to just be doing one with launch darkly around feature flags, but they come in in those days and get us to be curious about obviously their product and what we're trying to solve together. And again, all these kind of things kind of just add into that um, kind of uh, culture and and being able to be curious and um, yeah. So there's a couple of things there, and just um, lastly probably the 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 time to be curious um, like it's i think we maybe touched on this earlier but like a lot of the times it's always about delivery and sometimes we you know just need to put our foot down and go no like we need to get our head out of the daily grind and be have the time to do that so you know we've recently introduced five percent time for structured learning um all these on the job um, sort of opportunities that we that I just kind of covered. Um, you know that that has that dedicated time um, to be curious, and, and I think that's essential because if there's not time and a space to to do that, then you know it's when is that going to happen? People aren't always going to be um, you know doing that outside of work, and there's no expectation of that. Um, so yeah, that's what I kind of bring to the table there.
0: Awesome, thanks, Aaron and Grant. I'll get you to finish us off with this
3: one.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah sure. Um, look, love, love those, love those answers. Actually, um, the one that really resonated with this, with this particular question, but I think actually is a is a good, good piece of good discussion point for, all, for this whole topic is actually rewarding the rewarding the right behaviours behaviours. Um, we often reward hard work but we don't often reward behaviour. And I think with the curiosity piece, rewarding curiosity reinforces the behaviours that we want to see in the team. If, if the desire is, and in my world it is a culture, curiosity is one of my values, is how I lead. Rewarding, when people do that, reinforces the positive behaviour that we're, we're wanting to see or the positive cultures that we're wanting to see within the team. So I love the fact that you mentioned that, Aaron. I think, I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. Um, I actually think creating a culture of curiosity is really hard as well. Um, I agree with Tim in that it's an eight and, and you know, developers have a level of curiosity built into them, but I also think that we've beaten it out of them to a certain extent through time pressure, um, business pressure, the desire to deliver. Um, we ask people for estimates. They say three months. and We go, that's too long. You're going to do it in six weeks. And they go, okay. And doesn't take six weeks. It takes three months. <laughs> um, it's, it's that mindset and that pressure that I think actually really eroded the space. And I think our new modern adventure space as well, it, it's really eroded the, the ability to have space to be curious. Um, and I think we've really got to start again from the beginning and, and start to create space, start to create the behavior, start to um, you know, to really set the expectation that curiosity comes first. Um, you know, it, it aligns to passion, it aligns to the craft, it aligns to engineers being motivated through all these sorts of things, which is why I think curiosity is really an underpinning of, of everything we're trying to achieve.
0: Awesome. Thanks for that, Grant. Hey, look, is there anything else anyone wants to jump in and cover as we, we wrap it up?
3: Yeah, I was going to just jump in on that one. Something that triggered my um, my thinking there was just about curiosity is like diversity in the in the workplace. So like having you know your seniors and your practice leads that are passionate about their craft but also like having juniors and and things in the team really like creates like this environment of like um, people that are learning a lot and people that are trying to mentor and coach and and uh, share that and just having that diversity in the in the workplace is um, really important and I think it also kind of creates a bit of a psychological safety when you uh, have people that are being naturally inquisitive because they're learning a lot and people that are obviously doing that coaching, it creates that sort of environment where people sh- can kind of speak up or is advocated to speak up and ask questions. And I mean, that creates like a psychological safety where, um, you know, people can ask things and it's not going to be shut down. Like that's something we're really passionate about here is, um, sort of strong opinions loosely held. And, and it's, it's amazing to see the dynamic shifts when you bring juniors into the teams, which we have done over the last couple of years, we've brought quite a lot of juniors in and the, the, yeah, the dynamics and what they bring to the team is, is amazing. So just probably saying, I just wanted to add, add in there, which was, um, something that we found, um, to be, um, yeah, great to, to, to sort of bring into the team and invest into those um, juniors coming through. And I know we want to sort of invest into graduates um, soon, which would be amazing and start working with the local um, universities and graduates um, to, again, bring that extra sort of, um, you know, people that are wanting to get into the industry and into technology and, and work with an amazing team that we have. Completely agree.
0: Thank you. Any final uh, words, Uh, anything anyone wants to to add in just to wrap us up? Oh, good, Well, I appreciate everyone jumping on. Uh, I think there's some great points on on the topic of how to excel in motivating engineers and some amazing takeaways for everyone listening. So just want to say thanks, everyone, for listening and look forward to catching you all next time on the Evolution Exchange.